Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening wherever you are, and welcome to Chicken Soup for the White Boy's Soul. My name is Denver Crawford, and this podcast is a closer look into my personal journey of healing through conversation. As someone who identifies primarily as a white male, I am responsible for educating myself on how to unlearn my implicit racism and the ways in which the American and global systems have contributed to a false view of myself and other people. I am attempting to create that space here on the podcast by inviting voices from all walks of life to a conversation, one aimed at learning. Too many of us are using social media and the internet at large as a placeholder for actual conversation and individual action. Here you will witness conversations that are awkward, frustrating, cathartic, confusing, but most of all, positive. I have done my best not to edit anything out of these conversations. They are real and they are honest. Editing in order to appear more intelligent or well-spoken would be against the entire idea of this thing. While this is a place I've created out of a personal need, I would like to believe that you, listener, whoever you are, might find solace and encouragement from these conversations with friends and family. If there is anything you'd like to comment on, a missed opportunity, an incorrect term, or more opportunities for learning, I encourage you to send all communications to whiteboyssoul at gmail.com. My guest on the podcast today is Jay Cobian, most recently seen in the new play, Richard and Jane and Dick and Sally, written by Noah Diaz at Baltimore Center Stage. Our conversation dives into the learned racism of our childhoods, what privileges and challenges come with being white passing, and diversity in the arts among other topics. This episode was recorded on June 30th, 2020. And then just to further sync things up, if you'll do a clap with me on the count of three, just go one, two, three. Awesome. Great. So we are now recording. Uh, welcome, Jay, to uh, Chicken Soup for the White Boy's Soul, uh, my podcast where I'm just chatting with friends and doing my best to have a conversation that's aimed at learning together. Uh, finding where we are in our individual journeys and seeing where we can go from here. Um, so before we get super started, I just want to ask if you want to provide a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, um, any identity uh, details that you want to share, where you're coming from. Sure. Uh, hi, my name is Jay Cobian. I'm an actor. Um, I'm from Miami, Florida originally. Uh, my family's from PR uh, and I'm white passing Latino, as they would say, um, and I'm obviously from Florida, <laughs> which <laughs> I know uh, isn't the most popular place right now, <laughs> but I promise we have good people. <laughs> it's popular in terms of coronavirus. Oh, that's that's for yeah. sure. You, you got <laughs> me there. Coronavirus <laughs> is pretty popular down there right now. Yeah. Um, so great. Great to have you on here. You've been a friend for a while, but I'm glad we can sit down and we, you and I have never had this conversation, so I'm excited to get to know you um, and more about like where you come from identity wise. Um, I think it'll be, it'll, you know, it's all it can do is serve to make our relationship even stronger and like, absolutely, you know, so um, the thing I like to start with, with everyone who comes on here is just an answer. So if you have any answers today or just a truth that you're bringing to the table, um, do you have anything to offer um in terms of the truth uh i i feel like every day the truth 
gets a little more it's like one one truth gets a little more clear and then another truth gets farther and farther away um mm-hmm. the truth that i think that i would start off in relation to this conversation is um that <laughs> that like no one is immune to colorism <laughs> uh in mm-hmm. like i think that i believed a lot of problematic things up until the past or or just thought that i was immune for some reason to certain uh mm. um ideas and oppressive ideas um and and things that i would let skid by perhaps because i don't know i think that i came from a inclusive um oriented life like i had a lot of uh inclusivity in my environment in my communities but that didn't that doesn't necessarily mean that i'm like immune to racism um uh mm. you know um institutional racism within myself and within the community that i thought was free from that um so that's i just want to yeah just say that truth that i'm i'm like learning a lot right now yeah. so that's i think that's an answer that a lot of people can that's a great answer um and i you know that i also um say yes to that answer and uh my answer for today is kind of like i'm feeling physically weird i'm just uh i'm in a place where like i don't know if i'm sick it's not coronavirus it's more (laughs) of like an emotional sickness yeah um and yesterday i was coming from a really paralyzed place um and i can't remember what it was oh this is what i wrote down yesterday was um, if you're feeling paralyzed, it's because you're not participating. Um, hmm. the, the, yeah, you know, you need to be participating in order to feel like you can do something. And if you feel helpless and like you can't do anything, it's probably because you haven't been participating. Um, I hear that. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel I mean, that I'm, too, like par- being paralyzed, you know, it, it's all right to feel f- like a certain sense of fear or helplessness, but mm-hmm. it can't. You can't sit in that for too long, because then you're going to be a part of the problem. Yeah, um, complacency I've, and yeah, complacency goes along with like, oh, I can't handle this anymore. I need to step back. <laughs> but like, think about all the black people and people of color that like literally can't step away from it. To yeah. you know, it's a, <laughs> yeah, to step away is a privilege and is you yeah. know, you're you're choos- It's it's a non-participation in something that you know some people can't choose to not participate it's a lived um, absolutely journey yeah. mm-hmm. yep so yeah um i like where you're coming from with uh with your answer too and i want to like ask more questions about that which is you know you say that you're not immune to institutional racism colorism like these uh societal ideas that are given to us and um you know, a lot of people have the argument against like, oh, well, black people can be racist, too. Right. Oh, well, you know, Latino people can be racist towards white people. And there's this whole anti-racism thing. But I think part of the issue is like uh, the definition of racism changes wherever you go. Um, in, in white communities, it's like racism is synonymous with like, you know, it, it's evil. It's it's it means I'm a bad person. I'm outwardly. Um, bigoted and outwardly showing all of these things. Whereas I think on the other side of that coin, where a lot of people do exist is understanding racism as like 
an internal thing, an unconscious thing, a uh, a biased thing that isn't necessarily always conscious. There is conscious racism, there's unconscious racism, but mm-hmm. I'm interested in, I want to ask you um, what kind of conscious or unconscious racism do you think you've uh, been a part of? Um, I feel like the unconscious or the conscious mm-hmm. let me think uh <laughs> i feel like so in my my something big is happening in my school my high school right now where i went to in jacksonville florida where uh they're calling out all the teachers and faculty that have attributed to racism sexism homophobia in our school without like unconscious and and very conscious direct um uh towards POC and black students and and gay students uh that I was never like I revel like I held my school on a pedestal for such a long time cuz it's a an acclaimed school it's like you know really got, got a great theater program great teachers they teach you like you know they, they the courses are like they they implement a college uh mentality to it where they sort of treat their students like adults but what I was learning after certain students came out to write a manifesto or like um, they, they, they took a bunch of statements from students for the past 10 years about their stories, mainly POC and black people um, who went to the school and their testimonies. <laughs> and it's like I read I was reading all of these testimonies and I knew exactly what teachers they were talking about without with them using redacted. They were using redacted on everything. I knew exactly who we all knew who each teacher yeah. was. Um, and I'm looking back on my experience and the more I think about it, the more I realize that the, the things that were being said around school, the, the, the the certain power dynamic that teachers mainly, but a lot of the white teachers, it was mainly a white, um, faculty, even though Douglas Anderson school, the arts, I'm going to name them right now, um, (laughs) is, uh, was founded, was a predominant, was a black school, um, back in the day um Mm -hmm. and then it was integrated um and then like now it's like run by all white people and uh it it was it's interesting how that like turn of events happened because now all the like the all the all the programs like all the uh, shows that they do are Mm -hmm. white show or like you know the white prominent shows and then the shows that they do that have predominantly black people in it have to do with slavery right like that's that's what's happening in the in the theater industry and all over. We all know this, but I just like thought that again, my because I was around so many POC and black students um, that for some reason that like did not exist. Um, you know that like we solved a diversity issue by having more black people in the room, but I'm learning that like that's not enough. We need to have black people in power. We need to have POC people in power actually. Um, mm-hmm. like making those decisions because it's hard when when there's been years of institutional like racism um, you know putting up the white man uh, yeah and it, you, it's hard to get that out of your head you don't want to be you don't want to give up your power as a white person you know um, mm-hmm. so but you have to it's like time <laughs> yeah high time um, I, I think also I wanted to touch on diversity because that fits in with you know unconscious versus conscious decisions to like the conscious decision to be diverse versus 
the unconscious um a lot of people i've heard argue that diversity should be unconscious the the representation should already be there it should not have to be a conscious choice to make things diverse because if it is a conscious choice to make things diverse then there has to be some sort of unconscious bias there has to be an agenda there yeah there has to be something that's making it not diverse Mm -hmm. in the first place so right there is there is something there um and i think i think high school is a really powerful place uh in time for people and i think i remember i had a lot of experiences surrounding awakenings to you know my identity as a white person or a white male and or a white queer male and you know i high school was a time where i started waking up to a lot of these things and then college is when you know a lot of people their consciousness just bursts and you suddenly become aware of the world outside of yourself. But I'm interested in knowing uh, if if you care to share any awakening moments that you may have had in terms of um, race or, uh, you know, you, you talk about that you're white passing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder when when did you necessarily discover that? Well, that's or, a, that's a good question. Yeah, I discovered I was white passing really when I moved to New York. Um, when people would be like, um, well, actually, okay, so first I actually want to talk about the two times yeah. that I was like I unconsciously or subconsciously racist in my yeah. white passing Latino-ness. Like in, in, in uh, Latin countries and Latino culture, so a lot of people use the N-word, um, especially among the Afro-Latino community, but also in, there's... Can I ask, is that in like, um, in a... In, in like a calling each other that or in like a, in a no, derogatory way not in the derogatory way in the like okay we're yeah. from like in a friend mm-hmm. in that friend way um okay in that like brother sister way yeah uh and i would use it around my community because they mm-hmm. they like baited me into saying it after a little while um yeah. and i you know after a little while i was like oh it's okay to say it. like i'm latino too so like of course Sure, it makes sense. Like, if all my Latino friends are saying it, then I can say it, too. My mm-hmm. black friends are cool with it. But after a while, I really questioned why I needed to say that word in the first place. Like, why do I even need to say it at all? And, I, I you know, I would hear stories of white people using it or and even white passing um, any ethnicity people using it. And, you know, other people, you know, people rightfully... Uh, getting ticked off by the word because it's a sensitive word and mm-hmm. after a while you know past middle school i was like and into high school i was like and it's not like i was using it all the time obviously i was conscious of like not to use it <laughs> to like offend people mm-hmm. but enough enough for me to be i was conscious enough for me to be like well i shouldn't use it all the time you know like yeah and then after a while i was like i don't need to use that word at all it's it's only gonna i feel like it's only causing more issues than it's worth you know and after a while i was like i actually don't have any business using that word i am in in that regard i am white in that regard i'm like i can't that's not i have no uh, i picked up the word because i think it's cool and i want it to you know be a term of endearment but i have no understanding historically uh or you know even any i never i didn't grow up in the hood so like i have no business uh, saying saying that, and a lot of people who are even white passing and grow up in the in the hood feel like they have 
um, a, mm-hmm. a right to say it. And then they, they have people in the black community who have adopted them and have allowed them to say that word. And I always I always think that's an interesting conversation to have, the use of the N-word um, in the black mm-hmm. community and um, outside. In the black mm-hmm. community, I have, like, I, as a non-black person, I have no, uh, I don't think it's our place to say where that word stays. Um, but then it's interesting, but then the Latino thing is, like, because Puerto Rico, like, I'm, so I'm from Puerto Rico, because we have, like, uh, people from Asia, Africa, uh, you know, indigenous Native American people, blood mixed within us. And then we have a, you know, a color uh, spectrum. Uh, I feel like it gets muddled there uh, yeah. because the Afro-Latinos have every right to use it. But then the European, mm-hmm. Spanish, maybe light skinned Latinos uh, who maybe be your brother or sister or cousin uh, mm-hmm. also say it. I don't know. It, it, I think it's interesting. Of, um... I think of Latin history for morons. Have you seen that? Is that with um John Leguizamo? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah. I've seen a little bit of it. It was on Netflix, and he dives into kind of you know how um, Latin people are everything, like every race, and they they are. I am black. I am an indigenous Native American. I am um, Mexican. I am all these things, and he does briefly, I think, touch on. Um, the use of racialized terms like the n-word um and i do think i do think there is a conversation that i mean we still need to have that conversation because apparently not everyone's on the same page definitely uh, about who can say that and uh one of the one of the videos that i've seen because you know everything is shared through an article or a video or like a snippet these days on facebook and instagram but i think one of the best ways that i've seen it phrased is you know ta-nehisi coates um, who wrote, um, he wrote, uh, we were eight years in power. Um, he's, he's a pretty uh, prominent author right now. And he was giving a lecture and a white girl was like, how do I explain to my white friends that it's not okay to use the N word, even in the context of like, we're listening to, we're listening to hip hop music and they use it. So like, I'm Mm -hmm. just singing along to a song, like all this stuff. And, um, his answer while it gets a little long-winded, it gets to the point where he's like, you choosing or you being told and you actually practicing not being allowed to say that word, in effect, gives you just the slightest glimpse of like what it's like to be black in America. You you get you gain an understanding right. mm-hmm. of like things that you are not allowed to do as a white person. It's like... Right. It's because like... a black person looks at the world and there's like, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't interact with police in the same way. I can't go to these schools. I can't. And and you, you're you just being told that you can't say a word. Yeah. It's like the and, hardest and yet, thing. And yet people are just like, well, that's oppression towards me. That's racism towards me. Why can't I say that word? It's like, maybe it will give you some perspective on, you know, what it's like to be black or what it's like to be non-white. Mm-hmm. Because there are things that you absolutely can't do. And, um, yeah, I have... Yeah, it's offensive. It, it hurts yeah. people. Um, and it's just not worth it. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's just not worth it. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, um, and but there was I, an... yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you, but No, 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 you, that, was, that was... No, that was great. Um, there was another one, another subconscious or unconscious, I feel like, racist thing that I grew up at. 
out of but I can't remember it. What was your question before about... My question oh, was about white passing and... White passing, You right. know, when did you kind of have an awakening into that? Right. So I... When I... Yeah, when I got to New York and uh, all of a sudden people were like, whoa, you're Puerto Rican? Nah. Really? No. No, what, you speak Spanish? Like, fluent? Like, like you don't understand how many questions I get like that. And before leaving Miami, before leaving Florida, I, like, that was never really, um, a, a, like, too much of a question. But for some reason, I feel like certain people, even people in the Latin, even Latinos um, themselves yeah. will look at me and be like, nah. And I'm thinking, have, oh, like, I don't under like have you not seen like a white passing latino before like do you not understand that we all range in different you know shapes mm. and colors and and forms and like i don't uh, uh, it's it was it's interesting um and it wasn't it was only after i started getting over and over again that it started to hit me uh, if i got it here and there it was like oh, you know whatever but um i feel like certain people attribute mm. a, a, a a look to mm-hmm. a Latino person, which is problematic, you know. Like if you're gonna, yeah. if you're gonna treat someone who uh, uh, who is the same heritage, who is the same culture, you gotta, you're gonna, you get better treat them all the same, you know. If you're gonna look at, you know, if if someone's gonna discriminate someone for being this way, they should look at, you know, the other per, you know. I I don't know. I feel like I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. I think, yeah, I think it's I just. Hear- I'm like, again, like, I feel immune. I do feel completely immune mm-hmm. to all this racism stuff for sure. Because, and then I also think that I almost like uh, I have an advantage. Like some people think like I have, which I do have an advantage, um, mm. which is so fucked up <laughs> because like I speak Spanish, yeah. right? Um, and when mm-hmm. people look at me, they don't think I speak Spanish because I'm white passing. Mm-hmm. Um and then they're like, wow, you speak Spanish? Oh, that's so great. That's amazing. Wow, you're like, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But then there's, in New York, there's like literally. Remarkable. Yeah, I become remarkable. But then all the immigrants that came to New York, you know, uh, who, who work in here, who work there, uh, like, yeah. they, they they aren't, I feel like they're not reveled in that way. You know, they speak no. English. And then a lot of people's reaction is like, oh, they, uh, you know, they're not that, like... Bad English. Learn, bad English. Learn Maybe they're not intelligent. Yeah. You know, like, it's... And the, for that, I, I, I'm always baffled yeah. by that mentality because those people literally know thousands of words more than one, you mm-hmm. know, English speakers, you know, just uh, solo English speakers. Uh, uh, so that's always pissed me off, and that's always been really weird, and I always hate it when people are, like, they sort of, like, revel me, you know, in that way, and I'm, it's it's weird. Um, and in the industry, in the theater industry, when people cast me, I feel like sometimes they're able to, to cross off the diversity mark, like the diversity box by casting me. Um, but I'm Mm -hmm. still white passing, so they're not really doing a lot. Um, and although I like to, although I think it's, because again, I feel like there's a lot of people that don't think there's like white Latinos out there. So they, there should be representation of, of that so that people know, but that's not as um, I don't think it, that problem is not as important as having uh, Afro Latinos in the community 
uh, be heard and be represented. Um, I think my skin tone can take a break, um, <laughs> and we can yeah. and we can uh, like that issue. I'm I'm speaking about this issue because it's like again the only prejudice that I've like experienced, which is super minuscule, right? <laughs> it's like not a problem. I'm talking about it. It's like it's problem, which is is a problem, but it's like a very very small problem. It's not the problem right now, but yeah, it's part of the overall thing, and I think it falls under the think, umbrella of like yeah. prejudice and judging people based on how they look, um, rather than mm-hmm. fi- you know who they are. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I feel, uh, I mean, I want to share this because I also want to say, reiterate to your answer, no one is immune. I don't remember exactly what it was, but what you're describing is this kind of incredulity at like your Puerto Rican-ness or mm-hmm. your Latino uh, identity. I remember having that moment of just like, wait, you, you are? You're fully, okay. And you speak like fluent Spanish? Oh, I did have that moment of just kind of like, oh, I didn't expect that because I had an idea in my mind mm-hmm. of what a Latino person looked like and it didn't fit. You did not fit that idea in my mind. So that, you know, that forces one to unpack, like maybe that is an implicit um, racist thought. And I had that meeting you and I love you dearly. And like, you are one of my favorite people on the earth. And, and I love you, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> And you're, I mean, you're the partner to one of my favorite human beings as well. And, and yet I can still implicitly unconsciously judge you. And that is where, that is all the things that we've been taught and all of these unconscious uh, racist ideas that we've been given. Mm-hmm. It's and what so, we've yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to put that out there because it's like, People should be able to own up to the fact of like, hey, I judged you. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was definitely part of the people that you talk about who were just like, who forced you into a space of like, oh, I guess people don't see me as Latino. I guess they see me as white. Like I was, I was part of that for you, I'm sure. In just like a very base way. Right. Well, mm. it, it is what it is. I mean, it's not, again, it's not like. I don't, it's like not anyone's fault. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's our fault when we do it over and over again, but um, mm-hmm. it's not our fault when that stuff, you know, it, yeah. it, it's complicated, you know, and it, there's two sides of that coin um, because I have white privilege, right? Yeah. So so the identity thing is, is interesting. Um, the more I, the more like, I progress through my life, the more I think that I do have two identities, which before I didn't want to admit I had two identities. Um, I felt like I shouldn't have to admit I had two identities. I feel like I am Puerto Rican and that's who I am. And um, it doesn't matter like what people see me as, whether they want to you know, keep thinking a certain way or they uh, want to assume certain things um, unless like I dress a certain way, unless like I talk a certain way. Um, but but the thing is i do have white privilege because i look white it is just a fact it, i can't ignore it and i can't like fight that um fact on certain fronts mm-hmm. on certain fronts on certain fronts i can but on certain fronts i can't and i feel like 
this broad scope um, of what's happening in the world, I need to be a, I need to be on the white person. I need to be like a white person learning like every other white person. Um, yeah, about I, this. I mean, yeah, like there is there is some sort of I guess um, I think as a passing white person or as someone who fits into that category, there is a sense of responsibility toward um, being better. Right. And, and you know, wa- wanting to learn about that identity and why it's so um, toxic and why it's so, you know, sensitive and mm-hmm. fragile. And, like, whiteness is – whiteness is so fragile. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I think I – think, yeah, white people do have some sort of responsibility. Or we, as a people, need to unpack whiteness in order to better understand it. But I, I think – so many people are hesitant to do that um, because yeah, it's hard being because wrong. <laughs> it will show it will show how sensitive it is and how much of a non-identity it is. It's like white white isn't an identity. It's not something that you can look at and know exactly how someone's feeling because it's been so, um, you know, there are so many uh, dynamics to whiteness where it's like you got the poor white folks, you got the rich white folks, you got the liberal white folks, you got the conservative white folks. Like there is no one thing, whereas you know, we've we've manufactured identities for every other race where it's like, hmm. uh, you know, and I there was another thought that I wanted to go back to, um, which was I can't remember, but it was like. Uh, hmm. You'll think about it. It had it had to do, with, do with white passing or. Well, it had to do with, you know, white people judging. Hmm, I can't remember. Maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so you you are white passing. Yes. Um, in some rooms, and in some rooms you're not. You were talking about. Um, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah the industry the the i feel like i learned a lot about uh race through the theater industry through the acting industry um and how they perceive uh you know obviously because we that's what we see on tv and on stage is you know that's who is represented um Mm -hmm. you know it's a mirror of life or whatever the fuck uh so i think that I don't know. I was. We, I. I just I've never oh. experienced um, mm-hmm. racism in the in the industry, yeah. and I've been hearing so many stories that like I just let that just, just like skate by me, and I mm-hmm. I hope that in the future I can I can be more of a help and not like just stand by and be like and, oh that might that maybe I mean, that's not true maybe that's like oh. You know, or just like downplaying certain events um, that happened, like in my high school um, with certain teachers, yeah. like teachers that I have beloved, but they said racist and sexist things. And that's like, obviously, I did, it wasn't didn't happen around me necessarily, because why would it? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I well, I just I'm sorry, I just remembered what my thought remember? was, Great. Um, which was the idea of accepting someone's identity that they say that they are 
And I think that goes uh, for race, and that also extends beyond race to, you know, gender identity and sexual identity, is um, white people especially have, well, pe- people in general, but white people are the ones who need to work on this the most, I think, is when someone tells you they are something, like when you are like, no, I am Latina. <laughs> I know you see me as white, but I am I am also this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the level of reluctance that a white person feels really tells tells them where they are in their journey toward um, understanding. Because again, you, you could have said, um, no, I am Latino. I speak fluent Spanish. Like this is a part of who I am. And I could have been like, nah, I don't believe you. That's not, nah, you, you're white, man. Like, I don't see that. That's one reaction. But the other reaction is like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of that right off, but like, yeah, that makes sense. I accept that. Like, I'm glad you told me that. Or like, oh, that gives me a new perspective on like who you are. There's two sides to that coin of, you know, I think, I think people need to focus on being better about like, you know, seeing someone who is a uh, gender non-conforming and like, you know, transitioning from one to the other. And it's like, you look like a man and yet you're telling me that your pronouns are she, her, or like even they, them. It's like, I don't identify with the binary. And people are like, nah, you're a man. Or like, nah, you're, you're, you're this thing because I see you as such. Right. And I, yeah, I just think that translates to so many levels. But that was a thought I was having concerning your uh, attempts at showing people that you are not just white. Mm-hmm. Like that is a part of how you are seen and how you can move through the world. But it's not, it's not your sole identity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think whiteness is, it shouldn't be the sole identity for any human. Yeah. Um, I think I think if you primarily identify as white, you are a Nazi, you are, uh, you know, you are, you are a KKK member. Like if that is your main identity, um, it's not enough of a leg to stand on to actually claim as like something real. Right. So, and it has to, I think it has to do a lot with language, right? Like with the the language that we have set up for ourselves um, and the um, in regards to identity and race and where people are from versus where their parents or ancestors are from. The way we like ask certain questions to people, the way we like instinctually get to know people, right? Like we say where you're from, how are, you know, like... Uh, you know, what's your heritage, blah, 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 blah. Like, in the introduction of meeting people, I feel like there's a lot, uh, it has to do with background, right? We want to get to know someone um, and thus get to know their background. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get really hung up on where people are from and where people are local and they just, like, it's, it's, it's one, I don't know, it's one thing to be, like, interested and fascinated and, like, wanting to learn more. And there's another thing that's just, like, being like rude or being uh i don't know like it, i don't know it, it i i think it, it i don't i feel like i don't experience it too much but there are people out there who when they ask certain questions the way they phrase mm-hmm. certain things uh is just problematic and it's not their fault it's the language that we set up you know ethnicity versus race versus um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, where, where you're from versus like where you're local. Like I was hearing I was hearing someone an article about like 
uh, asking people instead of like where you're from, you know, asking them where if, uh, where yeah. they're local. Like uh, instead of saying yeah. like where I'm from, like I could say two things, right? I could say I'm from Miami, or I can say I'm from Puerto Rico, because where you're from, they could, you know, some people will, some people mean the first and the other people mean the latter. Um, and so saying like, where you're local, you know, it's like, where have you lived the past? Where do you identify? Where do you feel like, where um, have you lived, right? Uh, for your most, you know, your prominent, uh, your, the amount of time that, you, yeah. that you've lived uh, in a certain place. I would say where I'm from would be Miami. Um, but maybe after 10 years, I'll, I'll say, uh, I'm from New York, you know? Um, yeah. Um, and some people will be like, no, 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 where are you from? You know, and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm from Puerto, my family's from Puerto Rico. I'm from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think like those kinds of questions attribute yeah. to this like divisive, like this subconscious divisiveness or, the, or, or this like, it, 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 it um, how do I put this? It, it like, it emphasizes this mm-hmm. idea of like you're not from here, you're from there, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I don't see as like a is not doesn't sound like it's a big problem, but again, it's just like I feel like another small device amongst a myriad of devices used yeah. in our language to, to to like divide people and mm-hmm. to make people feel like they're not from. United States necessarily. Yeah. Like I feel like a lot of people didn't even know that Puerto Rico was a territory of the United States until like yeah. Hurricane Maria arrived. I was so surprised. <laughs> I was like, yeah, was people like, were like, oh wait, we they pay taxes. Oh wait, we <laughs> we're con- we're connected financially. Okay, now we're gonna pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, um, but it, yeah, it's it's that's a whole nother thing actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. Because, yeah, it's like when it is time for us to pay up, it's like, oh, no, we don't want to. No, you're not associated with us because you're a territory. So our tax dollars shouldn't help you out. Yeah, I know. There's, right. I had a I had a friend. And your vote doesn't count <laughs> as much. Yeah, I had a friend who I was a barista with in New York, and she was the only member of her family who was not living in Puerto Rico when Maria hit and... Um, just witnessing that firsthand in a friend and understanding how many people had no understanding of like the world outside affecting you. Like Americans have no clue how like world events affect them. Like there's not really a sense of understanding of like what happens to my neighbor happens to me. Mm -hmm. What happens to the rest of the world Except when it's like, oh, we're going to fight for freedom in this country because, you know, it's it's picking Support. and choosing. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, America is, you know, fucked up. But yeah. also, I, I had to say to your, uh, the language being imperfect around, um, you know, asking, where are you from? What's your background? You There is a question there that is trying to establish who you are. Hmm. So I get a better understanding. There is a, there is a wish to understand the the lived experience of another human being but there is an entire lack of um, discernment. And because a lot of people, what they mean when, you know, where are you from? They're really asking, where are your ancestors from? Yeah, I feel like and, that's... Especially with people who don't look white. Like, yeah. I, again, like, I don't... 
I, I feel like I experience that less, but I, I see it happen to other people. And when I'm hanging out with other Latino people who are darker skinned, who maybe who look more mm-hmm. conventionally Latino um, from yeah. Venezuela or from Puerto Rico or from Cuba or Dominican Republic, Dominican like Republic, they'll, they'll be yeah. like, oh, where are you from? Hey, Dominican Republic, okay, and they turn to me and be like, and then be like, oh, where you, where, where are you from? It's like, oh, Puerto Rico. I was like, what? Oh, mm-hmm. wow! And then it's like, oh, they're like inflection changes. Oh, look at that! Ooh, <laughs> look at that! <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, again, it's yeah, it's like they want to know where your people just like want to know where your roots are from. Where like, how did you yeah. get to be? How do you look like that? I don't know. And here's here's where white supremacy comes into the equation is that white people are taught that their ancestors were more human than other people's ancestors and until we can like reconcile the fact that like um until we can reconcile the fact that like we as white our white ancestors oppressed people enslaved people did all these terrible things and we still made statues of them and like and like we still glorify them to this day more then yeah i i think i think that needs to be a reckoning yeah in this moment and there is being a reckoning with like all these statues being vandalized and torn yeah down. i think it's, it's great i think it's awesome um yeah i think it's like something that definitely it's it's weird it is really weird united states america is so weird mm-hmm. it like it is every day i find something new out that just puts me in disbelief <laughs> how does this exist how yeah. we deluded ourselves for how so do, long. How do, how, but, you know, it, it's a, you know, we, we were blind to it because we were obsessed with, you know, moving forward, mm-hmm. you know, this, this whole pandemic, this whole, um, these past five months have been so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. unprecedented as everyone says. Um, and it's just like, it's so wild the things that we we can all finally uh, come together on, but we only could have done it because of this pandemic. It's really yeah. awful when you think about it. Um, and I hope that you know moving forward, we don't lose this momentum um, and you know and this like learning process because uh, it's been so it's been mm-hmm. good. It's been good in a lot of ways, um, and there's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, I don't know. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, one of the best things that I've seen come out of this, or one of the things that I think is positive about, you know, um, being quarantined and uh, the world in the state that it is, is I think moving forward from here, a lot of people will uh, begin to appreciate, if not, if not understand and actively look for. But I hope that, I think every human walking away from this will have more of an understanding of how important self-reflection is because this has been an entirely reflective time during coronavirus. It's like we are alone with ourselves in a way that we have not been alone as humans in in a hundred years since the Spanish influenza breakout and since, you know, all these other global pandemics. But, you know, we were really taking... we. A hard look at ourselves some of us are taking a really hard look some people are really just don't want to look in the mirror and are still in denial and don't want to wear fa- face masks and mm-hmm. are pretending like nothing's happened but i think yeah. consciously as a people the collective conscious is having a huge moment of self-reflection 
And I think moving forward, there's only going to be um, a wish for more of that. And a, uh, I, I'm hoping space will be created in the populace for more collective self-reflection. Yeah, it's all about learning. We're going to be wrong. I'm going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. We're going to continue to be mm-hmm. wrong like over and over again about certain things. And the only way we're going to learn is if we say those wrong things. You know, someone tells us that that's wrong. And then we can be yeah. like, oh. You're right. Uh, I I think, you know, being like so many, we need to let our ego. So many people need to, need to like leave their ego um, out the door because mm-hmm. when you do, you know, you uh, enlightenment comes much easier. Um, and uh, I I say and I especially to during this time, white folk, white passing folk, um, and even. Um, POC and maybe black people who uh, believe a, a different way um, hope you know keep keep uh, taking in information thinking about it and responding um, in a respectful and generous way um, unless it's like racist shit then we need to tear that shit down and we need to yell as, as loud yeah. as possible um, because we're, we're at a we're at a crossroads I mean we need to be. We need to stay angry. We need to stay passionate, um, and we can't. We can't like let this thing be a trend, because that's yeah. what we've we've done so many times, um, myself included, uh, yeah. in the past, and Same. it just can't be. It can't be the. We can't. We can't do this. You know, um, I can't look at my like. I can't look at like my Afro Latino cousins and be like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, and then not show do up. Anything. You know, yeah. um, and I'm... and people that I don't know, and of course, people that I black people that I don't know, POC people that I will never know because there's so many people in the world. I should be fighting for them too. You know, mm-hmm. I should be out of the decency yeah. of my myself be fighting for that. Yeah. And even the sense, just a sense of responsibility, because I think that's also an easy way to um, to get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Back to, you know, what I was, where I was yesterday. Right, it's too big, um, it's too much. I, yeah, I'm, I'm active in certain communities and, you know, I'm, I'm doing work where I know I can. But I mm-hmm. think because I have a cell phone and because that connects me with someone um, all the way across the world in less than a second, and I can see things that, you know, I haven't participated in. Uh, Chinese government. I haven't uh, uh, participated in um, all the, you know, voluntourism shit that's going down in Africa, but like I still, because I'm witnessing it, I start to feel a responsibility for fixing that thing. Sure. And I think there is a balance to be struck of um, recognizing what you can affect, change you can affect in your circle, your physical world. Absolutely. Versus, you know, Maybe it's not everyone's job to be a social media influencer. There are, yeah, there are roles to be filled. Um, yeah, on the battlefield. Find there, what everyone, yours is. Yeah, um, and yeah, you and also there's, you know, we can't just we can't take up too much space as well. Um, with our, with something I've been learning is that like, I don't want to take up someone a lot of, I. I Sometimes I'm like, I see something and I just want to like post about it. And I want to like be a leader and I want to like talk, you know, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's great. I'm glad that I feel that way. But 
you know, I have to look at myself and be like, okay, is that me? Is that my ego being like, I want to show people that I am a leader, that I am coming out here and I am, uh, and this is what I'm saying, even if I don't know, like, because sometimes I just, I'm just like angry. I just like, you know, I want to put something out and it's not necessarily thought out. And then I'm like, who is that serving? You know, um, mm-hmm. I should just, but there, there are people who are, you know, who are POC and black people who can, who have been saying those things for a long time and know mm-hmm. how to say those things better. And all I, I sh- what I should do is listen to them, you know, uh, take that information in and then, and then uh, support their voice, you know, push their voice mm-hmm. forward um, with my voice. Um, yeah. B- those informed voices. Um, and then one day, I will be that informed voice mm-hmm. next to next to those yeah. voices, hopefully. But or just, um, yeah, harmonize with their voices, like harmonizing. Yeah, yeah, supporting, but in an equal. I think I think there's a whole lot that I also. It's it's hard to unpack. I'm not sure what the right answer is always. Sure. Um, I'm I I lean towards more of the you know, lead by following, mm-hmm. and um. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of my personal style of dealing with stuff. One second. I think my brother's playing the piano. I need to go tell him to <laughs> pause for a second. All right. No worries. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Ah, that was sweet. All right. We're back. <laughs> that um, was cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there so, are, there are roles to be filled. Yes. And you're you're doing that. There everyone's, you know, you're yeah. we're you know, you're, you know, <laughs> you're creating an avenue right now for people to talk about something that's not easy to talk about but needs to be mm-hmm. talked about. Um and that's one of the roles that you're filling. Um and that's a really important thing and uh so you know that you know start we we got to start somewhere you know we gotta we we all have a, a job to do and i feel yeah. like you're doing an awesome job i think this is super cool oh. by the way well i appreciate that and yeah i think and i because of the ego thing i can't ever listen to that and say okay my work is done yeah good job buddy. yeah like i can't i can't pat sure. myself on the back too much i appreciate that you're yeah, I I, I want to see that as encouragement to keep doing things, but not. That that's a difficult role for me to, um, in my position to, make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't go to my head because like I don't want to profess to be a leader on, anything, but you know I feel compelled to create this space, for myself, mm-hmm. and uh, and hopefully you know anyone who might want to follow this or like. You know, anyone who does benefit from listening to these conversations will also get a lot out of it or as much as I'm getting out of it. Because, you know, I'm I'm doing this to learn things for myself about, you know, how to talk, how to have these conversations when, you know, I haven't had this conversation with you. I've known you for over a year and, you know, we've, we haven't sat down and talked about, like, what's wrong? What needs to change right now? How can we be better? Um and I think this creates an opportunity for just you and I in our individual relationship to, it creates an avenue to start talking about these things where there wasn't one before. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's, that's what I benefit from doing this. Um, and you know, we're, we're getting close to our time. So I want to kind of close things out by asking you, um, you know, what, what your process of learning is at the moment and how you're focused on, um, that kind of self-education and what you're doing to pursue, um, learning during this crazy time that we're living in. Yeah. Um, Yes, I am consuming uh, media made by black people as much as I can. Um, a black, you know, consuming black stories um, and trying to find black stories that don't have to do about slavery or so hopefully sometimes racism, even though mm-hmm. it's really hard. <laughs> Uh, which sucks, um, but this is what it is. Um, uh, but there is a lot of, but there is that stuff out there. You just got to look and, and also listen to, uh, and then be, and then, um, I've been trying to, uh, get recommendations about, Mm -hmm. uh, books and things like that. Haven't read any books yet, but I will. And but well, do you have any recommendations in in terms of any media you're talking about consuming things like what's something that uh you know someone listening to this could go check out if they haven't before that you got something out of? Um, I really like Sorry to Bother You. Um, I don't know that one. Sorry to Bother You is a movie that came out a few. Uh, it was like a few years ago. Oh. I think two years ago. It's with like Keith Stanfield and, and Tessa Thompson. Yeah. yeah, they talk about using their white voice in the corporate room. <laughs> Um, that one's really cool and interesting and also super quirky. It's like alternate reality. Like it's wild. Tessa Thompson's in it. Um, uh, a lot of really great people are in it. Lakeith Stanfield does an amazing job and, uh, it has, and it's, it's also topical and relevant also has to do about protesting, um, and whatnot. So that's a, that's a good movie to watch. Um, I was, uh, I follow and I, uh, tuned into the black coalition black uh advocacy coalition broadway, broadway Adv- the broadway advocacy broadway coalition advocacy which coalition is which for is black lives matter for black lives yeah. matter um run by black industry professionals uh yes. and i tuned into their three-day event uh which was really really informative and super super cool and uh heartwarming and also heart-wrenching at the same time um and i learned a lot from mm-hmm. that and uh, so I can I'm contri- continuing to follow their uh, work um, to hopefully learn more uh, because I learned I got a lot out of you know being in that being in there on Zoom <laughs> in the room so to speak um, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's that's pretty much what I'm what I'm doing I'm trying to trying to <laughs> do some you know uh, give nice. money to the fundraisers that need to be funded um, black trans associations mm-hmm. um, in New York in Florida, um, mm-hmm. homeless associations, uh, things like that. Um, just try, trying to do it little, little by little. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll also echo, um, uh, in terms of media things that I can recommend that I watched this past week is LA 92, which is a national geographic documentary about the, uh, 1992 riots, uh, after Rodney King's, uh, brutal, beating by police officers um, after they pulled him over. And uh, that is also really 
it's intense um just and it and it so reflects the protests that are happening right now and the kind of like things that we're seeing so um yeah i think la 92 is something la 92 and i um, i'm i'm adding sorry to bother you to my list i remember when that came out and i think i remember wanting to go see that but i don't know why i felt like i was too busy to but i remember i remember now that you describe i'm like yeah that was like one of the black movies that i was like i need to go see this i need to support Mm -hmm. this i need to be a part of like making this happen culturally it's good. Um, so you, think, you, you and yeah. Trey got to sit down and, and watch it. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a ride. I promise you. <laughs> I might I might do that tonight. All right. Um, well, I think that's our time, and uh, okay. I really really appreciate having you on here. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you off the microphone. Yeah. And um, I love you, and just thank you for well, thank you for having me, Denver. I love you sharing too. your stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time, man. I am signing off. All right. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Every conversation misses something. This one missed a whole conversation Jay and I could have had about the theater industry in New York. We make a lot of references to it, and while not everyone has the same understanding, there is a space for Jay and I to continue looking at the ways our industry handles its racism. Personally, I feel like this conversation brought down a wall or two between Jay and I. Not that we had consciously put them there, but there are certain boundaries that we don't realize are there until we bring them down. If I wasn't intentionally creating a space for conversation, I wouldn't have thought about Jay's struggle with his white passing identity and the implications it has on his life. Now, I can begin to notice and be sensitive to these parts of our relationship while having a mutual understanding of what we both face. Thank you for joining me if you've made it this far. From your friendly podcasting white boy, I love you. I look forward to learning more with you and from you. Until next time.